the Askell Leaders Reading Podcast with Jeff Barton. I'm Julie McCulloch and I'm Director of Policy at Askell. And Julie, you've chosen three books. What's your first choice? So my first one, I'll start with my my only fiction one of the three, is Lionel Shriver's uh, The Mandibles. Which I have to confess, I don't I don't know. So what, what, what is it about and why do you like it? So, I, I mean, I love Lionel Shriver generally. You know, I think the first book of hers I read was We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is yeah. just <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but this this book is amazing. So it's published a, a year or two ago now, I think. Um, and it's so it's set between 2029 and 2047. And it follows the fortunes of a previously wealthy extended American family as the dollar collapses. So their wealth disappears overnight. Society goes into meltdown. Um, it's described by Sarah Waters on the back cover as a gleeful nightmare and I think that's a brilliant way of, of <laughs> describing it. It's, it's sort of so it's Lionel Shriver's kind of characteristic caustic wit. It manages to be both very funny and utterly terrifying at the same time and it's uh, it's very hard not to at the moment make parallels between this and you know what we've all been going through for the last year and that kind of you know something that happens to a society that they don't expect that has a huge impact on everybody's lives it's fascinating and is it a book that you've been you've you read during this period and that's therefore had that resonance or you look back at it and its resonance has become more sharp because yeah, the, the latter. I, I read it before the, the pandemic. And I think what it made me think about at the time is, I, I can't remember who's, you probably know, I can't remember whose quote this is, but what's the quote that you're only two meals away from a riot? And and that's yes. kind of what it, that's what it made me think of, that, you know, that there's this family who are living perfectly normal, you know, well, quite privileged lives, most yeah. of them, actually, um, just, you know, sort of quite cushioned from, from the kind of, you know, the, the reality that clearly lots of people kind of li- live all the time, but but quite cushioned from all of that. And then how quickly um, the financial collapse, you know, which, which you could equally see being something like a kind of medical emergency as well, how quickly that tilts the whole of society in, into this meltdown and, and the impact that it has when suddenly all of those certainties that people thought they had are are pulled away from under them so there, there are things like you know, there's a branch of the family where um you know, one of them is an, an investment banker and he's made penniless overnight basically and ends up having to move in with family members that that he previously looked down on as as less successful but have jobs that that are a bit more sustainable in in that situation and there's a there's an amazing scene where um one of the members of the family um has a, has a role where she's worked in a homeless shelter for many years and she turns up to work one day and there are armed guards on the doors of the homeless shelter because mm. there are all these newly impoverished people who are trying to turf out current residents you know that scene now is a desirable place to live there's a generation of young people who are having to drop out of school in order to focus on survival it's it's fascinating well i only know um we need to talk about kevin and it, it, that has a kind of remorseless inevitability about it and it sounds a bit like what you're saying here that you're just taken uh, f- f- further down into the kind of de- decline in, in terms of what's happening to this family yeah it's exactly that but but it is you know it is very funny as well so mm. so i mean it, you know this one will really resonate at the moment there's a very funny scene where where the family realize they can't get hold of toilet paper anymore and what are they mm. going to do about that and mm. uh, you know it's it, 
it, it is that whole kind of quite how quickly fortunes can turn and you know we we think in the west that we're kind of living these lifestyles that yeah. that that are sustainable and you know that society is not well perhaps we've questioned that recently but you know probably until quite recently that sort of assumption perhaps for those of us who are kind of you know lucky enough not to have had had anything terrible happen to us at a societal level this sort of sense that society is on this kind of relentless upward curve and then i think there's just something like this that you see how easy it would be for that to change absolutely okay so your your second choice is what so my second choice is a book called john higgs which is called stranger than we can imagine making sense of the 20th century now that's one uh, I, I don't know at all so does, does it do what it says in the title uh, yeah pretty much <laughs> does the ron seal approach it is a brilliant book i read it um oh three or four years ago on holiday and it was one of those books that i thoroughly irritated my family by sort of stopping every 10 minutes to read them bits of and they were you know trying to get on with other things but it's 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 a brilliant book so it basically takes the reader on a journey through the 20th century and it's it's broadly chronological but it's based under different themes so things like modernism war individualism etc and the title comes from a quote that's attributed to um, an astrophysicist called to Arthur Eddington, who I must admit I don't know anything about. Um, but the, qu- the quote uh, is from him saying that the universe would prove to be not just stranger than we imagine, but stranger than we can imagine. And so, so what it does, what I, what I love about it is that it the book links together developments in different fields, so science, art, politics etc and it shows how one field influenced each other over the course of the 20th century so for example it talks about um in the when it's looking at kind of the 1930s it talks about cubist art you know kind of picasso no fixed perspective you know those sort of pictures where you see a, a face and you're looking at it from different angles um, and then it links that to modernist writers like james joyce t.s Eliot, where again you've got no single narrator you've got kind of multiple mm-hmm. changes of viewpoint going on and then it extends that you know that sort of art and literature i think is, is probably more of a kind of common pairing but it then sort of moves on to politics for example so it talks about the the fact that the you know the the crumbling of the british empire and the fact that at that point we're moving away from the idea that the world could be run from a single point so again it's kind of questioning that bringing in the sort of multiple perspectives and then it talks about science so it talks about einstein's theory of relativity so the idea that space and time aren't fixed um there's no central point of the universe and i just find find all of that so interesting and he he writes brilliantly it's it's eminently readable it's one of those books that you come out of thinking god i know so much more than i knew when i started that book and you know i could even have a go at having a conversation about quantum physics you know i wouldn't get very far with it but you know it would it it's it's just it, it's a great great book i'd really recommend it i love anything which brings a kind of coherence to things that you think are disconnected in a way that's what it sounds like it does though that sounds terrific you're obviously interested in in books which convey ideas because your last last one is a is a book which is about a very fundamental idea for those of us in education is it yes so um this is a 
book that probably lo lots of people have heard me talk about before. It's had a huge influence on me. It's called The Spirit Level um, by Richard Wilkinson and Kate Pickett. And it's, its subtitle is Why Equality is Better for Everyone. And it has, it's had a huge influence on me both personally and professionally. And what it does, again, it's, it's a very kind of readable book for you know, the lay person who, who isn't you know, necessarily kind of immersed in, in some of the issues that they're talking about. But what it does is it maps the relationship between inequality and a whole raft of different outcomes. So it looks at things like um, well, education, which is obviously of kind of most interest to me, but also things like mental illness, low life expectancy, obesity, teenage births, high imprisonment rates. And it, it, it basically looks at or finds a pretty clear correlation, an extraordinary degree of correlation really, between countries with high levels of income inequality and high levels of all of those kind of undesirable outcomes. And it's, it's um, I think one of the things that's most compelling about it is their kind of central argument that that a high degree of inequality makes life worse for everyone, not just those at the bottom of the pile. So even in societies where you do have, you know, some people who you would look at and you think, well, you know, they're at the top of the pile, they're doing incredibly well. Actually, when you kind of dig into it, they are also affected by inequality. So things like, you know, if you live in a country with a higher crime rate, you feel less safe, even mm. if, you know, you're, you're not kind of directly involved in that. And it's, it, it is a, it's a really powerful argument, I think. Brilliant. Julie McCulloch, thanks for talking about your three books. ASCL. Askell.